Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Big Blue Insider is on. News Radio 630 WLAP and the iHeartRadio app. To interact with the show, call us at 859-280-2287. That's 859-280-CATS. Or you can tweet us at BigBlueInsider1. Now, here's Dick Gabriel. Welcome back to the Big Blue Insider. Second hour of our program, Dick Gabriel, Billy Rutledge, Aaron Gershon. We were talking in hour number one, and we will pick up the discussion again a little bit later about the NCAA case that's before the Supreme Court right now. But uh, the college athletes, as we all know, compete at a lot of different levels. And, in fact, last night we saw Kentucky in baseball take on Bellarmine, which for the longest time was a Division II school that has moved up to D1. There's a local institution, I say local, within our, our umbrella here in central Kentucky, which has made a move of late from the NAIA to Division Three, and that is Asbury University. And one of the people over there in charge of athletics is our old friend Mark Whitworth, 27 years in the Southeastern Conference as an associate commissioner, among other things, and now is the vice president for intercollegiate athletics at Asbury. He's on our celebrity hotline. How are you, young man? I'm doing well, Dick. How are you? We are so well. Thank you so much. I haven't talked to you in a while. Uh, and when I saw this note about the move from the NAIA to the D3, I thought we need to get uh, get caught up. Tell me a little bit about what goes into the decision-making process. What's that going to mean to your university? Well, it's it's very important for us uh, to to really find uh, the best missional fit for us at, at Asbury University. From an academic standpoint, uh, it will really help us, and also from an athletic standpoint, it'll help us uh, because you know my my career has been all through you know the last twenty seven thirty years has been at the Division One NCAA level, and so when I made the change a couple years ago. I took a hard look at, you know, what was best for us. And, uh, you know, after a couple of years, we made the decision that we really did need to make the move from the NAI to D3. And, you know, this is, you know, Asbury is a great academic institution. And uh, so missed class time, things like that are, you know, that's a challenge for our athletes. And so the NCAA D3 model, you know, provides a little bit more of a condensed season and even uh, preseason for all the sports, and, and that really is going to serve us well. It is, and, uh, and it's not a knock on the NAIA, but uh, I, I think there are – well, what are the numbers, Mark, when it comes to numbers of institutions involved in D3 versus NAIA? Yeah, it's interesting. These are all numbers that are kind of new to me just since I've made the transition. Uh, I'd say there's probably generally about 250 NAIA schools and there's probably closer to 450 NCAA Division three schools. Wow. So it gives you a lot more flexibility as far as 
scheduling and conference alignment, postseason opportunities, those kinds of things. What lies ahead in terms of conference alignment? Do you know that yet? You know, it's interesting. You know, my whole career, as you mentioned, or the vast majority of my career was was with the SEC, so I'm pretty well versed on conference life and conference structure. At the D3 level, really, you, you have to go through the NCAA membership process first, and now we're in the process of having conversation with a number of, uh, of conferences. There, there are a couple that really make a lot of sense for us that are in this footprint. Uh, one of the other things we're really excited about, Dick, is it gives us the ability to play you know, people like Transylvania yeah. and Center, even Berea, uh, Spalding up in Louisville, mm-hmm. uh, are all D3 schools. And, you know, right now our conference, we play schools in Indiana, Ohio, and even Pennsylvania. So it's going to be a little bit more of a regional footprint for us, which will really help us. And I'm wondering, by the way, it was two days ago that Mark and Asbury celebrated a three-year anniversary when you joined Asbury. Which, by the way, in case anybody's wondering why you make a move like this, Mark went to Asbury. He's a Louisville native. By the way, what high school did you attend in Louisville? You know, I went to Atherton High School okay. for one year, and then uh, then when we moved, my dad was on faculty at Asbury, and I was at, uh, back then it was Jessamine County, now it's West Jessamine. Okay, okay. I, I wasn't aware, I, if I knew, I'd forgotten that you were uh, uh, from Louisville. But at any rate, um, it's it's been, like I said, three years uh, since Mark joined up, and you were just one of the guys who was a fixture in the SEC uh, but tell everybody why you decided to make that move. You're essentially coming home, but I mean, you had a pretty good gig at the SEC, and you were so well respected, still are. But yeah, you were it, a big part it, of it. It was, it was great, and and you know, I worked for some amazing people. I mean, looking, looking back, I mean, the opportunity to work, you know, twelve years with Roy Kramer and ten years with Mike Slide, yeah. and, you know, a couple of years with Greg Sankey. I mean, those were great days, and and those were. Mike Slav used to call those the golden years of the SEC. Uh, you know, we won seven straight BCS national titles, and we started at, you know, the SEC Network. So, uh, you know, I will always look back fondly on, on those times at, at the conference. But, you know, I was serving on the board of trustees at Asbury, and the president approached me about uh, – coming back and, 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 and really trying to, to build an athletics program that, that would kind of just go to the next level. And, and so after about a year or so, I, you know, I kind of wrestled with that idea. And, and we've got family here, and, 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 and I love Asbury. I love the mission. And uh, just, just wanted to come back and, and, and do something special. And, you know, we've got a great group of coaches and administrators and close to 370 student athletes and so it's uh, it's been a lot of fun and and you know it's just it's great to get up every day and just try to get better each day you know i got to thinking about one of the topics we discussed in hour number one and that is the case before the supreme court right now with the nca and i i got to thinking that's something that a guy like you and, and several of your your peers and colleagues uh, i guess we'll have to keep an eye on because whatever happens if there are dramatic changes at that level and and, you know, coincidentally enough, it would involve the, the schools you used to work with in the SEC. You know, might there be some sort of, of ripple effect uh, with regard to the D2 and D3 schools if there are sweeping changes at the D1 level? You know what I mean? 
Yeah, I think they will. It'll probably be just a little bit more delayed. Um, usually it does just kind of trickle down from D1 and then into D2 and D3. But, yeah, I think that's something that we all have to keep an eye on. Tell everybody how athletic aid, if any, works at the D3 level. Is it all need-based, if any? It, it really is. I mean, the, the, the main difference in the NAIA, you can actually give athletic aid. And at the NCAA D3 level, uh, you can certainly give students financial aid, but it can't be associated at all with athletic participation okay. uh, or, or performance. Uh, and that's why you know, it kind of aligns with that, that holistic kind of student experience. And that's really why the NCAA created D3 years ago, because they wanted these students to be true student-athletes. And, uh, you know, so what we do is encourage the, the prospects that we have an eye on is you need to be a well-rounded student. I mean, you need to, to have demonstrated leadership at the high school level and certainly have a strong uh, academic record. And, and then the athletics part will take care of itself. And it's not like you're just throwing the ball out and saying, go practice. I mean, you've got a new strength and performance center. You've got an expansive sports medicine center. I mean, you're doing everything you can that you can do uh, for your student athletes, correct? Yeah, it really is. It's, uh, in fact, we had about two dozen of our alumni uh, back on, on campus that were athletes and took a long tour on Saturday morning, and, and people were just so encouraged by, you know, the upgrades and enhancements we've made to our facilities. So, I mean, it very much is a competitive environment, but it's just done in context of, you know, again, that holistic student experience. But, but we, we take it seriously, and we want, we want our student-athletes and coaches to take great pride in the programs that we're building. How many sports do you offer? We have 16 intercollegiate sports, and then we also have cheerleading. And okay. so, um, you know, when I was in school, it was probably half that. So we've had a lot of growth, and uh, we're taking a really close look at adding track and field here in the next couple of years as well. And now when you say 16, is it eight men, eight women, or how does that break down? It, it actually breaks down nine uh, women and, and seven men. Okay. Yeah, I mean, you're yeah. still governed by Title IX, right? Absolutely, yes. And, you know, based on kind of the sports uh, and the roster sizes, we probably have about 50, you know, just over 52%, you know, female student athletes mm -hmm. and right just under 50 uh, on the male side. So it's, uh, it's, a, it's a great environment. And, uh, you know, these, these students play because they love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, they, and, and they're, they've got a great work ethic because – the rigorous experience it is, you know, academically sure. as well. Sure. When you hear about or read about some of the issues involving D1 sports now, uh, you know, for instance, the, the story right now about the Supreme Court, and I know, and again, we talked about the fact that there, there will be a ripple effect one way or the other, but do you kind of heave a sigh of relief and say to yourself, that's their problem now? And You, you were in the middle of it for so long, and now you're, you're right where you want to be. Well, it's, um, you know, the, the thing that was so amazing, you know, at the SEC, I mean, you'd have, you know, if it's basketball, you'd have ten or 15,000 people in a venue. If it's football, you'd have seventy or 80,000. You know, now you've got, you know, 1,000 people or 500 in an event, right. um, and you don't have, you don't have media covering your every move and every decision. Um, 
and so that kind of relieves the pressure. Yep. But uh, you know, you you can't you can't kid yourself and think that there aren't people that you know that don't pay attention and don't care because you know you still deal with uh, you know administration and 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 alumni and parents and donors and things like that. But uh, it's uh, it, it has been a very interesting transition. Uh, and I've stayed, in, you know, certainly in touch with sure. with my friends at, at UK. And you know, I got a call from Commissioner Sankey a couple months ago. He was out, kind of middle of the day. He said, "I'm trying to take a walk in the middle of the day, you know, every day." And he said, "I try to call people I haven't talked to in a few, you know, a few months." And and he and I talked about the differences, you know, of, of D1 and and, and D3. And uh, but bottom line is, you know, once you start a game, people. People want to compete, and they want the officiating to go well, and they care about who they play as far as scheduling. And so, uh, it, it, but it's been an interesting change. It really has. I've enjoyed it. Oh, sure. Before I let you go, I've got to ask you about Mike Slive. I was a big fan, uh, and I actually worked for you, Neil Price and I, doing the, the SEC baseball tournament on Sirius XM Radio, a deal that you, I think you had, were instrumental in putting together. And uh, and worked on the SEC basketball and football network for about 15 years, and got to interview. You would always bring the commissioner. Charles would bring the commish for me to interview. I was such a fan of his. And when he took over in the league, you guys were in a little bit of a crisis mode uh, with some schools doing some things they shouldn't. And he cleaned things up. Uh, and and his legacy is what this league is now. It is unquestionably the the strongest conference in America. What was it like for you to get to know him, to watch him work and be a part of what he did? Yeah. You know, he, Mike was a, was a brilliant man, just like all three of the, the commissioners that sure. I worked for. Uh, but Mike was a brilliant man. The thing I learned more from Mike slide than anything was, was the value of preparation. Uh, you know, every meeting, every speak, every, every speech, every interview, he would always prepare, and um, you know I would all you know I would occasionally think you know do you really need to prepare to that extent? But he always took it seriously. I don't care if it was a speech in front of fifty people or five thousand people. Uh, and so, you know, it, the other thing that was really interesting is that that he really kind of was the architect of the uh, of the SEC network, which I was very involved in. Yeah. Um, you know, I think about Roy Kramer, and, and, and Roy really took us from being a regional brand to a national brand. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know, Greg Sankey uh, really kind of took us into, you know, that next, that social media age that, that now, you know, administrators at that level have to, I mean, to, to monitor and manage hourly, not daily, but hourly. And so all three of those guys, again, were exceptional leaders, uh, but really loved what they do and um, and really loved the institutions they were working for. I mean, I always thought that that's what made the SEC unique, is that that these these commissioners loved the institutions and, and, and realized that the SEC was special. Not to say the Big Ten and the ACC and others are not. Right. But but it really is just a little bit more of a family, and the passion just runs a little bit deeper. Yeah. And so, uh, amazing guys, all three of them. But Mike Slive was was uh, was exceptional. 
Mark, tell everybody how to find out more about Asbury. Uh, give them your website. Yeah, our, our website address is asburyeagles.com. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've got all kinds of things going on right now. Our baseball team is off to the best start in uh, in, in school history. And wow. So uh, we're really proud of that team and Coach Manny Cervantes, who played at UK. That's right. For Coach Keith Madison. So Manny's doing a great job. And, uh Good days. I mean, we've we've had a very very strong year uh, athletically, and gosh, we're just grateful we've been able to participate and play. Uh, so, uh, but we'd love to have anybody who's interested in coming out and watching uh, a D three game. We'd love to have somebody out on our campus, and uh, and certainly you can follow us at asburyeagles dot com. Mark, always a pleasure. Good talking to you. Hope I get to see you soon. But uh, all the best. Thank you so much. Thank you, Dick. Good to talk to you. Good talking to you. And we're back in just a minute here on 630 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 630 WLAP. Thanks again to Mark Whitworth. I really enjoyed working with him and and for him when I was with the SEC Radio Network. And he brought up the names of the former commissioners that he worked with. Well, Sankey is still there, obviously. and I, I really don't know him that well. And uh, I had talked to Roy Kramer a little bit. Mike Slive, I, as I said, I got to interview him a couple of times a year. And he's one of those people who either had somebody explain to him, remind him who I was, or he just remembered names. And I was told later, in fact, I interviewed his, his daughter came on the show with us. And she said, no, he was one of those people who was great at remembering people and names, which I have never been good at. But it just made me flash. Mark mentioning those those guys made me flash on a couple things that remind me that, that – People can just be nuts when it comes to sports. When they hired Mike Slive, he came from, um, I want to say, Conference USA. And, Billy, you know how teams have bounced around a lot, and uh, uh, I think L was in Conference USA for a while. But, you know, I heard people scoffing at the fact that they hired this guy from Conference USA, brought him into this big-time football conference, and he's going to be overwhelmed and la 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 then you look at his resume, and this guy had been a judge. He'd been a tough prosecutor, and he was one of these guys who was about five foot six, a gray-haired guy with a nice smile, and was as tough as a boot. And when he got to the conference, half the teams were in trouble, and he snapped everybody straight. Said, "Here's the way we're going to do things, and you're going to stay out of trouble, or you're going to feel my wrath." And it worked. They cleaned up. You know, nothing's ever perfect, but. He really helped clean things up, and it was under his leadership and guidance that the SEC became the conference that it is right now. Not perfect, lots of warts, I know, but in terms of the overall mission and all that, uh, yeah, you got to admit that the SEC's got it going. Uh, the other thing about Roy Kramer was there were uh, there was a stretch of football games one year when Kentucky was just good enough to compete but not good enough to win. It was just one of those maddening times. And um, and you guys aren't familiar with that, really, because even, Aaron, I think when you enrolled at UK, they were already getting to the point where they could win games. But there were times when they just would get close and then there would be penalties that would cost Kentucky. And there was this thing going around about how Roy Kramer was seeing to it through the officials that Kentucky would not win. And, and it just took on a life of its own. And what they were talking about was fixing games. Roy Kramer was fixing games. 
And it was one of the dumbest things I had ever heard. There were media people who were kind of pushing that. Yeah, Kramer's not going to want Kentucky. You know, not realizing they're talking about a guy who, if he gets caught, quote-unquote, was going to go to prison and give up his $600,000 a year in his golden parachute. Uh, oh, my goodness. It would it just drove me up a wall. But, hey, welcome to sports, right? Tom Leach once figured out that Kramer – would help Kentucky win to put Kentucky in another bowl game and make more money for the SEC. Made too much sense. You're listening to Big Blue Insider with Dick Gabriel on News Radio 630 WLAP and WLAP.com. Two eight zero two two eight seven eight hundred six zero six four two six three. Tweet us at Big Blue Insider One. Let's go back to the phones where we find Mr. John Short on line one. How are you doing, young man? Doing fine. How are you doing, D. Gabriel? What's up? Nothing much is up. When John, you think transfer from Kentucky should transfer to Transylvania, Georgetown, and Pike was at UCLA. <laughs> Just say he likes it and close to it. Well, John, no, I mean, you were, you're a family man. You know he wanted to get home to his family. Yeah, he does. <laughs> he feels happy in California, doesn't he? He what? He feels happy in California, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He was worried about yeah. he was worried about mom and dad and COVID. Can't blame him. <laughs> I know, and I don't know who's going to win now since there's no Southeast Conference teams in there. I don't know who's going to win it now. You don't have a favorite? You don't have a prediction for me? I guess it could be could be Michigan because Michigan's in it. I think Houston's in it. No, Michigan got beat last night. UCLA beat Michigan. And I know, I know you, you like UCLA, Houston, Baylor, and that's it. Yeah, UCLA, Gonzaga, and then exactly. Baylor and Houston. I know you don't want UCLA to win because that would put them one one more ahead of Kentucky in national titles. That's right. right. So we want Baylor, Houston, or Gonzaga to win. Yeah, and you, I think John, what year was it? Kentucky beat Baylor one year for an NCAA title. Yeah, it is nineteen forty-eight. Thank you. I knew you'd know that. I thought I knew it was 48 or 49. 49 is Oklahoma State music Cowboys but the Oklahoma A&M Aggies like it used to be. That's it correct. It should stay right to where it used to be. <laughs> you like everything the way it used to be. John, let me toss – this is an interesting piece of info for you. I didn't get it into the broadcast last night. Okay. When Kentucky played Bellarmine. From 1960 to 65, do you know who Bellarmine's baseball coach was? Alex no, no, Rosa. no. Alex Groza, one of Adolph Rupp's fabulous five, wasn't he? Yes, he was. He was the Bellarmine basketball coach, and he also doubled as the baseball coach. He wasn't very good at it. The best record they had was 9-9. and But I guess to make a little extra money, he coached Uh baseball at Bellarmine. How about that? That's good. We're going to see Mississippi State that five – (laughs) <laughs> Big and each time, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. There's no games on Easter Sunday. So another sweep? Yep. So that would be a second straight sweep on the road of an SEC West team. That would really be something. That would be something. And the only thing I think is in the Final Four women's basketball is Connecticut. I don't know who else is in there. I really don't know. Stanford is one of the teams. I'm not sure about the others. Sanford, but no ACC teams in there then, I don't think so. John, I appreciate your call. Good talking to you, man. 
by the way, did you guys see the video of the no call in the Connecticut Baylor game, women's game? Yes. That, that has gotten a lot of run. What did you think, Billy? Uh, clearly a foul. Yeah. I thought it was clearly a foul. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's tough. I try to put myself in the shoes of those officials, right? And yeah. you want you don't want to take the game out of the players' hands as much as possible, but at the same time, you've got to protect them, and, and that was a foul. Well, not only that, you know, it's it's that you're right. That's a that's a laudable sentiment. You don't want to be part of the process that decides the game, but in effect, you are. If a defender is set up and done everything right, and an offensive player plows into her by not blowing the whistle, Aaron, you're a part of it, right? Yeah, it really. I agree with. It's such a tough call because I feel like that's kind of a. They're going to get killed either way. Obviously, looking at the picture and the replay, it was a foul. But you, you, you could already see if they called the foul, the cry would be, oh, let them play at the end of the game. Yeah. So it, 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 the right call definitely would have been a foul, but uh, it's UConn. I mean, they got to get in the Final Four somehow. They're in it every year, 14 straight. Well, it's it's not like they're going to fold up shop, you know, as, a, as an event if UConn doesn't make it. Maybe they – Develop some more fans if you call if UConn doesn't. But you know, um, yeah, it, it's it's a kind of thing where yeah, if they make the call, you're right. People will scream. How do you make that call? But you know who make who screams that UConn fans, because right now Baylor fans and people without a dog in the fight are yelling. How do you not make that call? So um, yeah, it's uh, but it, it's isn't it interesting that the women's game has extremely similar problems uh, than the men's game does. So, um, but anyhow. The, the, to answer John's question real quick, the two other Final Four teams, it's Arizona, a three-seed facing UConn and Stanford and uh, South Carolina. Oh, so there is an SEC team. There you go. Yeah, I forgot about that. Don Staley's team, so John can root for that team. By the way, it's a final. Ballard beats Madison Central 70-61 in the first round of the Boys' Sweet 16. Clark County, Oldham County will tip off at 8 o'clock. Tomorrow's game is Muhlenberg County, as Tom said, versus Highlands. That's at 11 a.m. Bullet East, McCracken County, Boyle County against Paintsville, kind of a Cinderella run, uh, and Knox Central against Ashland Blazer, which had a last-second shot, I believe, to win its regional. Uh, I want to double back to this uh, discussion we've had uh, about the Supreme Court and the NCAA and I've brought this up before, and it came up during the oral arguments today about the fact, and there was some thought or some discussion of limiting the amount of money that coaches can make. And two thoughts on that. Number one, if you tried to do that, I've got to think, guys, that there would be a case that would be right back in front of the Supreme Court maybe at some point. Uh, but the other thing I want you guys to ponder before we get back to the phones is, interestingly, I think the point of the spear, the tip of the spear on a lot of this, is the amount of money that coaches are making right now. And one of those coaches, coincidentally enough, is John Calipari. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Let's go back to the phones. Billy uh, tells me that Larry is online, too. How you doing, Larry? Hey, uh, Mr. Gabriel. How are you? Haven't What's talked going to you on? in a while. Yeah, how are uh, you? You talk about calls. uh did you happen to see the uh, Kentucky-Alabama softball game Sunday? I did not. I was working the baseball. Uh, there was, was a baseball. ball hit down the third baseline. Uh, 
that was clearly fouled by two feet. And they called it fair. And, of course, Alabama gets a run out of it. Uh, we come back and win the game, but the big thing is Alabama can easily beat you one to nothing. And if that game had ended up one to nothing, uh, and it, it was a terrible call. It was horrible. I didn't know if you'd seen it or not. I had not, but there's been discussion of trying to incorporate review into the softball, into the uh, softball universe. Would you be in favor of that? I don't know. Uh, for one thing, it's, it's slowing the game down too much. Yeah. Uh, and they get their heads together enough now and come up with nothing. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I just think uh, I think you ought to have umpiring and officiating as a profession. I'm not a truck driver one day and umpiring a game the next day. It ought to be a profession, football, baseball, and basketball. At the college you level? Do, at the college level, yeah. Yeah. Well, And, and you, it, do, you do it, all three, you know? There's the age-old question, Larry. Who's going to pay for it? Are you going to raise your ticket prices? Well, the NCAA's got all that money. No, they don't. Well, some the, of it. <laughs> no, the, the, it's the, it, all, it goes to the schools, and the well, schools you know, ultimately now, will, will you, raise ticket prices. the salary of a – of a coach is not doing so well by four or five million and chip in on it. That's right, Larry. That's right. <laughs> Wouldn't that be great, Larry, if they could do that? That would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Uh, that's another. That's another story for yeah. another day. But uh, yeah, I didn't know if you saw the play or not. I was just calling. No, I didn't. But I appreciate good hearing from you, man. Appreciate yeah, okay. that. Larry is a big softball fan and softball aficionado. 280-2287-800-606-4263. Tweet us at Big Blue Insider one But, uh, yeah, putting it out there, guys, that um, it's interesting that the coaches' salaries have become so big that they generate so much media interest on their own. You know what I'm saying? And Aaron, now that you are a a newspaper man, the uh, you know every time a head coach is hired at one of the power schools, there's a breakdown of the contract, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I mean, you could find not even, every coach you can find. I know at UK they have it on the website. You can see every single coach's salary, um, exactly what they get bonuses off of. What you know, can, you, you see their full contract. You see it all. So uh, it's really interesting, and uh, that goes in hand in hand. Does, this, does some of that money belong in the player's pocket? You know, and that's the other thing. Is it proper? Is it legal? How can you limit, and in what other profession, and there may be, in what other profession can you put a limit on how much somebody makes, right? Right. I mean, the market dictates yep. um, how much you're going to be able to pay the coach. And look, if, if the basketball is bringing in that much money and you're willing to pay that much money for a coach that will bring in that money, then that's how it works, right? It's just, you know, what disgusts me is these buyouts, right? When coaches are being paid tens of millions of dollars to not even coach the program yeah. anymore. Yeah. There has to be somewhere. And I'm not saying but I'm they looking negotiate for... negotiate it. Yeah, uh, correct. But... Don't you think in, in the fairness of it all that there should be money coming from the athletic department, not just to the coaches, but to the labor of the actual force? Well, there's money and there's money. If you're talking about cash, that's the argument. Uh, you know, the amount of money that goes into 
caring for and funding a player is formidable. There's a great deal of money that goes into each athlete. And by law, it has to be the same amount for the women as the men, which is only right. So whatever you do for the men, you've got to do for the women. Whatever you provide for the men, you've got to provide for the women. Uh, you know, and you've got to provide opportunities. Uh, you know, it, it's just it's more than just giving them a check, giving them cash. Uh, and, and, and trust me on this. And then, like I said, there are inequities that need to be fixed. No question about it. But whatever amount you give, it's never going to be enough. And here's the other question for you. I'll put it to both of you. If somehow they decide that, and, and image and likeness, I'm with you. That, I mean, if, if Billy Rutledge can make 100 bucks for his autograph, and Aaron, if, and Billy's a star football player, Aaron Gershon is, is a crafty right-hander for the baseball team, but you can only get 5 bucks for your autograph, that's the way it goes. Uh, Aaron, you could have played football. Billy, you might have chosen baseball, but that's just the way it is. But now they're now let's say they're laying out cash. You know as well as I do that the star, uh, well, let's say the star quarterback on a team is going to say, why does the third string tight end get the same amount that I do? Calipari's fond of saying it's not communism. Well, this is going to be essentially communism or socialism or whatever you want to call it when it comes to that kind of cash. And that is going to be another big pot, isn't it? Yeah, I yeah. just I feel like they're holding on to – I mentioned amateurism in the other segment. Well, it's not amateurism. It, it's not, but at the same time, Dick, this, these rules were made in a different time. They were sure. made in a time when there was three channels on the television. But they've changed the rules through the years, Billy, and that's one thing that you and Aaron, being of a certain age, uh, you have no way uh, no reason to know this. You know, back in the day, they got – 15 bucks a month for quote-unquote laundry money. Ask Mike Pratt the next time he's on or the next time that you sit in for Tom on his show, Billy. Um, you know, when these guys go to bowl games, that's one of the other things. I've talked about this before. When they go to a bowl game, not only do they get gear and a, and a backpack full of stuff and uh, rings and watches, they get a per diem, and they're loving it. So that has changed through the years. It's not like it used to be. And I would love it, Billy, if you talked to a guy like Mike Pratt about what it was like back in the day. Now, rule, you know, things were a lot looser back then. People could get away with things back then, you know. But in terms of what the players officially got, it was nothing compared to, to what they get now. And I'm not here to say that they're not getting anything, like the point that you made. You know, there's a lot of benefit when it comes to scholarships and starting debt-free and being able to have those opportunities. But the the money that they're bringing in to the university for that sport is unequal to the amount that's being given to them in those regards. At some schools, you're right. Uh, and, when it, and, and, you know, the SEC network has seen that SEC schools get a big chunk of money. But there are 300-and-something Division I schools, Division I institutions playing sports. Not, every place, not everybody plays football, but there are 305, and only about 40 of them are in the black. Everybody else is losing money. So, again, that goes to the, the inequity. You know, maybe the football team breaks even. At, at, you know, your, your beloved Hilltoppers. Um, you know, maybe they make a little bit of money in basketball, or maybe they make a little bit. What do you have any idea what they're paying Stansbury? 
Uh, no, I don't. Okay. That's well, you know he's not he's not working for a ham sandwich. Uh, <laughs> no. But does that mean that the athletes playing football and men's basketball are going to be paid more than the track and field athletes? Because that you know those track and field meets might draw a little bit of a crowd, but they sure don't pay the bills. But again, by law, if you divvy up that money that comes in. First of all, you got to slash sports so you can make budget. And secondly, whatever athletes are left, by federal law, you have to pay everybody the same amount of money. And that will be the beginning in the, of the end of college athletics. In my, as we know it. As we know it. Aaron, you've been silent. What's up? No, I was just having a buddy who works for UK Athletics, and uh, he said he wants to – chime in on this and he wants to figure out if he's uh, allowed to by contract <laughs> but uh no it's i, I could, it's just uh, i'm just glad it's above my pay grade because it's <laughs> such a mess but I, I think it just goes back to the simple you've got to pass you know the the name and likeness um legislation obviously that's a state-by-state thing too i think that's the obvious but the you know deciding a salary is just I don't know. I, that's never run me the right way, and there would need to be a lot of discussion yeah. and breakdown, simplifying yeah. for me to get forward with it. I guarantee Trevor Lawrence brings more money to the state of South Carolina than hundreds of thousands of people that make six figures in the state of South Carolina. I sure. Just, I think sure. there needs to be some compensation for the elites, for the people that bring the kind of money that you see these companies or these programs yeah. that are in the black yeah. are bringing well, money to the university. Title IX says... You got to pay the 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 women volleyball players the same that you pay Trevor Lawrence. Uh, we have time for Wendell. Yeah, if he's quick. All right, Wendell, what's up? Open up another can of worms here, please. How much money did Tim? How much money did Tim Couch bring to Leslie County High School? Ooh, that's a good if question. If Title Nine and all this NCAA stuff applies to the colleges, it's going to apply to the high schools just the same. How much money could Tim Couch have made at Leslie County High School on his name, image, and likeness? Would it have applied? Because this is about the institutions that get federal funds. Did Leslie County High get federal funds? Leslie County every high school in the state of Kentucky has to have Title IX officer compliance. Really? I see. I didn't even know that. Interesting. There is a Title IX report at Boyle County High School for my girls' soccer team that goes out every year. We're wow. in good standing. Think about think about the, the the tech in Texas. How big football is? Oh. And how big some of those players are? And there's oh. twenty five million dollar stadiums being built. Yep. To you know house these teams and bring in money every week, and they're on TV. Yep. Think about that, Nick Gabriel. I have worked in Texas, Wendell, and I know exactly what you're talking about. You once again, you've opened up a huge can of worms. Thanks for calling. Uh, we'll take a break. Come back and wrap things up here on 6:30 WLAP. This is the home of the Wildcats. 6:30 WLAP. Whitworth, Tom Leach. A quick note: Demarcus Cousins signing a 10-day contract with the Clippers. He's coming off a quad tear, an ACL tear, an Achilles tear. Uh, you got to root for him, though. Uh, he, he's lost a lot of money with those ill-timed injuries. Uh, opening day is tomorrow, and the Reds play the Cardinals, and nobody happier than Aaron Gershon as Yankees. I don't know how they're doing, Aaron, but you're such a baseball wonk. You've been waiting for this day for a long time, haven't you? Yeah, the Yankees will be great as always. The question will be, can they finish the job? But, uh, yeah, I can't wait. I'm very uh, – 
very excited. It's the day I – it should be a holiday. It really should. <laughs> Speaking of baseball, tomorrow night we will have uh, an abbreviated show, not too short, uh, because the Wildcats are playing a Thursday through Saturday series, as John Short pointed out, starting at the, with a 7.30 game at Mississippi State. Three-game series because of the Easter weekend starting on Thursday, uh, 7.15 pregame with Darren Hedrick. Wildcats, as I mentioned, uh, coming off a sweep of Auburn on the road. I don't know that they sweep Mississippi State. That's an up-and-down team. But, uh, Aaron, I don't know if you've had a chance to see the baseball Wildcats oh, yeah. yet. But uh, they got to get back to that good strikeout-to-walk ratio. But I think juggling the lineup has paid off for Nick Mingione. Yeah, I watched. actually, I watched almost every pitch last weekend. And Attaboy. It was, a, it was a lot of fun to watch. And I think – Offensively, yeah, like you said, mixing the lineups, working a lot of depth. I, I'm just worried about the pitching. It's got to hold up. Yeah, yeah, it does. And uh, like I said, for a while there, the bullpen was carrying the team, and then the bullpen started getting a little shaky. But uh, they'll get to try again this coming weekend. Billy, I don't know if we've discussed it. Do you have a baseball team? Do you care about MLB? Are you kidding me, Dick? Do oh, I have a right. baseball Your team? Tampa, that's right. Hockey. Your Tampa team. That's right. They beat. Yeah. Aaron's Yankees were going to be so great this year in yeah. the ALCS. That's right. He sang Rocky Top. Well, I knew you were excited last year, but I didn't know if you had been a baseball guy. So I, I grew up in the Trop, and that's saying something back in those Devil that's Rays true, days. true, man. <laughs> Nobody likes that ballpark. All right, that'll do it for now. For Aaron and Billy, Dick Gabriel, that's it. Good night from the garage in Lexington. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.